Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, at the beginning of the year here, we, we are in a series called Rescue. And if you've missed any of that, you can get it online. You can go to um, Podbean app. Just go on one of your, on your phone, your device. You can download the Podbean app and you just look up Spirit Life Teaching. And uh, it'll pop up there. You'll see our logo and you can catch up with anything. Um, each one of these stand alone as its own too. So it's not like you have to have the one in order to get the other. But um, as we've been going over rescue because we've learned that you know, according to God's word, everybody needs rescue. Everybody needs rescue. First thing we need to be rescued from is our sin. We need to be rescued from our sin. The Bible says that He, God, rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and He transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. He rescued us from our sins. We put our trust in Him. He comes to live on the inside of us. And then as, even as believers, there's times that we need to be rescued from our old nature, our old way of living. It always tries to creep up. It all, it's, it, 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 one is going to rule you. It's either your flesh or your spirit governed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we want to be governed by and led by the Holy Spirit. There's times that we need to be rescued. And last week and this week, uh, within this series, we talked about uh, being rescued from my, or rescue my relationships. And the first, the first thing that the first relationship that needs to be rescued is really our relationship with God. And last week we really talked about, um, you know, spending time with Him in His Word and, and you know, praying, uh, and praying on a tract and really reading on a plan, getting those things, being purposeful about that. But by God's design, people need people. You know, there's times that uh, even our relationships need to be rescued from time to time whether it be with the Lord or whether it be uh, with you know, individuals, a spouse, children, family, friends, whatever it would be, um, God created by design for us to need each other. And we all long for deep and meaningful relationships, and it's relationships that empower us. They cover us and they challenge us. And I went over a scripture last week. I'll read it to you real quick and then we'll continue on. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 says this, Two people are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. That really speaks of encouragement. You know, in relationships, we need to be encouraged. How about you? I like to be encouraged. There's times when we get down, we need to be encouraged. Scripture goes on, two people laying close together can keep each other warm. I believe this, this speaks about closeness. People long for deep, close relationships where we can connect hearts, we can share. Amen? And he goes on and says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I believe this speaks of value and protection. We protect healthy relationships, protect one another. Healthy relationships see the value in that relationship. They see the value in that person. You matter to me. Whenever you see a relationship that's healthy, whenever you see someone that you're close to struggling with something, you just don't let them alone. You go and you help, and you help fight that battle so that they can come up and be strong and succeed. Amen? Are you with me this morning? You need to shake anything off? Everybody still awake? Praise the Lord. So relationships are based on connection, and when, we, when, we, when there's something wrong with a relationship, we have to uh, look at that connection point and, and wonder, okay, where, where, where did we lose the disconnect? Why are we disconnected? And, and then deal with that. Connection first with God and connection with others. So there's really one. I'm going to give you, this is going to be very easy to understand and very easy to, to um, remember this. But 
The number one reason for, uh, for a break in the connection in a relationship or the cause of disconnect in a relationship is offense. Offense causes, offenses cause a disconnect in a relationship or they cause a break in relationship. Uh, the word offense in the dictionary means this, a violation or a breaking of a social or moral rule. A violation or breaking of a social or moral rule. You know, we, there's different things that we believe. There's different things that we stand for. And when someone says something or does something um, that violates what we believe, we can get offended. Right? Another, another definition of this is a sin, a wrong, something that displeases, can be considered an attack, an injury, a harm, or a hurt. I think we've all been offended at one time. Can you say amen? And I'm sure that we've all caused offense at one time as well. You don't have to say amen. <laughs> you know, the book of Matthew says this in Matthew 18, 7. Jesus speaking, he says, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come. But woe to the man or the person by whom the offense comes. We live in a broken, fallen world. And offenses are going to come. People are going to hurt people. That's not what God designed. It's not what God wants. But people are going to offend. They're going to hurt. They're going to injure. They're going to harm. They're going to break social or moral rule. They're going to sin against one another, cause a wrong or displease each other at times. It's going to come. The Bible uh, definition of the word offense, especially in this right here and throughout what we're talking about, is this. Um, it's actually from a Greek word, um, which is scandalon, which actually comes from our English word scandal. And it means a stumbling block or a trap stick. Now, the, to understand what that means, a trap stick, it's like taking a young sapling tree and bending it back so when someone comes by, whoosh, you get it. Anybody ever walk through the woods and had one of your friends do that before? I'll get that for you. <laughs> Yeah, so a slap in the face. So it's a stumbling block. It's a trap stick or, or a bent slapping. It's an, an occasion to fall. Offenses are going to come. People are going to put stumbling blocks before other people. They're going to set traps and give other people an occasion to fall. Peter, or Jesus used this with Peter whenever, remember, Jesus had asked his disciples in, in Matthew 16, uh, and he said, you know, who do people say the Son of Man is? And, and they began to answer the question by saying, well, some people say that, you know, you're Elijah or one of the prophets or even John the Baptist come back from the dead. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know, you're blessed, Simon, because you didn't learn this from any human. You learned this from your heavenly father in heaven. He spoke this revelation to you and you've received that. And just moments later, Jesus was telling them how he was going to suffer. They were going to go to Jerusalem, and he was going to suffer. And Peter gets up and kind of takes Jesus to the side, one translation says, and he begins to rebuke Jesus and say, May this never happen to you, Lord. You, you don't even go up there. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, 23. Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense or you are a stumbling block to me. You're putting a trap stick. You're, you're putting something before me that could cause me 
to stumble. This is what he says. For you are setting your mind on, not on God's interest, but on man's. See, this is where we come into the place where we can cause offense to other people, where we're not setting our, our interest on what is pleasing and honoring to God, but is what is pleasing and honoring to ourselves, our limited access and our understanding. He said, you're an offense to me because you're not considering God's plan. You're considering your own plan. You don't know that if I didn't go to Jerusalem, that if I didn't for the, die for the sins of man, if I did not hang upon that cross and was not tortured, you would never have the availability to be saved from your sins. That was God's will for Christ. Praise the Lord that he fulfilled that. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. So... That offense, you know, that stumbling block. I love, you know, God, God really wants us to learn to live above offense. I remember Pastor Arthur, my spiritual father, used to always say this. He'd say, if you can be offended, you will be. So the point is to live above offense. That no matter what people do, and we're all products in learning. We're all students of this, Amen. But I can look back now and I can say that I get less offended now. I didn't say I don't get offended. I get less offended now than I did when I first came to the Lord. And even with that offense, when someone offends me or I offend them, uh, it bothers me. And I want to do something about it. I don't want to live with an offense in my life. I don't want to put a stumbling block before somebody. I don't want someone to put a stumbling block before me. And even if they did, I need to understand what Jesus said is to forgive them because whenever we're doing these things, we really don't know what we're doing. We're, we're doing it from our limited vision instead of God's vision. We're doing it with what we think is best and not considering what God knows is best or what we should be doing according to his word. Are you with me? So God wants us to live above offenses. In Acts 24, 16, the Apostle Paul said this, I always strive to have a conscience void of offenses toward God and toward men. That's vertically. I want to live a life void of offense before God and toward people horizontally. He said that word strive means, you know, I, I, I always strive or I always train or I always exercise myself to have a conscience void. There's no offense towards God and no offense towards men. So there's two things here. One is that void of offense towards God. You know, in, in, uh, in the Gospels, um, there was a time when, you know, John the Baptist came on the scene. He was fulfilling prophecy. Uh, by coming in and, you know, spoken about him in the book of Isaiah, the, where the Lord says, I'm going to send my prophet before you to prepare the way, and he will be a voice of one crying in the wilderness. It even fulfilled the prophecy of really, you know, uh, uh, coming in the spirit of Elijah. He was coming and, and bringing forth and preparing the way that people should repent of their sins and, and, and turn to God. And then Jesus came on the scene, and, and Jesus was baptized, and Jesus began his ministry. John was arrested, and he was put in uh, prison. And the Bible says that um, he got to the place. Now, it doesn't say that he was offended, but you can see by the context in it that he was, he was there. He, he was at that place where he could stumble over this. Because for whatever reason, he thought 
It, it can be hard, you know, whenever you're, uh, you're, you're doing something for the Lord and then maybe he has you step down for a season or whatever's going on here and there, uh, not to question why here or that. And here John was out there telling everybody, here's the, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with fire. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. And John was thrown in prison. And he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, Are you the coming one, or should we look for another? That question alone lets you know that John was questioning some things. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And I love Jesus' response. One of, the, one of the books of the gospel says that, the guys were there, they asked that question, and he went and he healed people right there in the crowd. He's healing a blind man. He's cleansing leprosy. Boom, boom, boom. Then he goes, go tell them what you just saw. The blind see. The lepers are healed. Sins are forgiven. Poor preached the gospel. And here's what he says in, in Luke chapter 7, 23. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Paul said, I always strive and exercise myself to be void of offense towards God. Maybe there's something in your life that you thought it was going to come about a certain way or a different way here or there. And you didn't get all the details of it, and you grew an offense towards God. or you, you thought that God put a stumbling block before you. We've already learned this over the last several weeks. God does not cause temptation. He does not put stumbling blocks before you. Amen? He does good for you. Maybe you've, you were offended, and it caused a disconnect in your relationship with God, and you began to question things, and because you weren't getting the answer that you wanted at that moment, you just kind of disconnected, you kind of you stopped talking, and you kind of stopped associating with the Lord, and, and your relationship feels like it's just in that, that void or that, that law or that, that transition or that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know right now. can't think of it. But I love what the, the, uh, the Amplified Version here says in this scripture. It says, blessed, happy, with joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions, and to be envied is he who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble, whatever may occur. Whatever may occur. You know, one of the things that helped me out because it's just, it's just kind of our human nature that, you know, God will speak something to us, and our human nature is to already in our minds begin to think how it's going to come about. You know, I can see God doing this and God doing that, and God, yeah, He's going to have this way, and woo yeah, we got that prophetic word or God spoke to us, and we just laid it all out already. And then all of a sudden, the road that we got planned for ourselves, it goes, mm what is going on? Why isn't it happening that way? Just because we imagined it happening that way doesn't mean that was how God was going to bring it about. We have to trust the results to Him. And the God gave me kind of a, a visual to understand this, and that visual was this. Anytime you've ever talked talk with anybody on the phone that you were going to meet, but you never met them yet, but you talked to them on the phone, already in your mind, you've already pictured what they look like in your mind. It's just human nature. You pictured in your mind what they look like. When you met them, they didn't look anything like what you imagined in your mind. Never saw them before. But still, God is faithful. We have to leave room for Him to bring about in our lives how He wants. And we can't take offense because it's not happening the way that we want it to happen when we're thinking about our own intentions instead of God's intentions. Are you with me? Number two. 
Strive to be void of offense towards men. Luke 17, 3 says this. Be on your guard, Jesus says. I mean, how do you like to start off with that? Be on your guard. If your brother sins, and that word sins there is also offends. If your brother sins or offends you, rebuke him. Man, wouldn't, it, wouldn't we be able to save some relationships if we just began to talk about it? If we're offended, instead of holding it in, just to say, hey, that hurt my feelings. Or, hey, what, do you, what are you meaning here? Instead of just holding it in, going around, we're walking around offended. They don't even know what happened. You ever do that? You, where you're holding a resentment towards somebody else, and you go on. It's weeks, maybe months, maybe even years. Every time you see them, they're like, man, they, some, they must have gas or something. Whoa, what's going on? No, no. And then finally, whenever you go to them, they didn't even know what, what happened. They didn't even know because you didn't talk to them about it. If you get offended by a brother or sister, go to them. And that word rebuke doesn't mean just go up and like smack them across the head. It means, wait a second, what you just did, that hurt me. And maybe you didn't mean it that way. I don't know. You just kind of decipher those things. You talk it through. It's communication. You begin to talk things out. And find out what the meaning behind it. If they, if they really did mean to do that, well, you know, then hey, you know, you rebuke them and, and uh, then you have to take it to different measures. But he says, if someone offends you, rebuke them. But if he repents, forgive them. Forgive is to release. Release them from that offense. And if he sins against you seven times or offends you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, affectionately in his heart, and says, I repent, forgive him, release him. And the apostle said at this one, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, there's a place to be increased. If my brother, see, in Matthew, Peter said uh, to Jesus, he said, if, if, if someone comes and offends me, you know, does odd against me, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? You know, and it goes into, it's actually talking about in one day. He's like, how many times should I forgive him? Seven? And Jesus is like, no, but 70 times seven, 490 times. Man, if, you, if someone offends you 490 times in one day, wow. I don't think I've ever been offended by the same person 490 times. And Jesus is not necessarily putting a number on something. So, ah, 491, you're out of here, sucker. No, it's not like that. He's trying to help us understand and teach us that we need to live with an attitude of forgiveness. We need to live with an attitude to release other people from their faults, not holding it against them. Because when we do things against each other or against God, we really don't know what we're doing. We're doing it with a limited view. And, you know, it, it goes both ways towards men. You know, I remember someone in ministry that um, um, just the way that they acted in ministry, and we were in ministry together, it, it bothered me. It just, I, I couldn't believe the lack of character that they were exhibiting. And it, really, and they never, it wasn't necessarily against me, but it was just, I, I took it. I took that offense because it bothered me so much that it, it couldn't bother them how the way that they were acting. And they ended up leaving, you know, that ministry that, that we were in together, and they ended up leaving and. And uh, uh, it still bothered me when all of a sudden their picture would come to my mind. And when it did, I would, I would get boiled up inside. I'm like, ooh, I'm just so irritated at that person. Ooh. 
And, and I thought, I was like, I thought I had forgiven them, but I, I had not, even though they didn't know what they did. I still never talked to them about it. It was really just an internal thing on the inside of me. And I was like, why am I even, you know, upset at this? And I just had to begin to bless them and pray for them. Say, Lord, you know what? They didn't know what they were doing. You know, and at times, <laughs> I'm the same way. At times, I don't even know what I'm doing. I may say things or I may do things and I may cause offense and not even know it. Forgive me for holding something against them. I just release them. And I wish I could say it was just one prayer. It actually took a little season of time that every time that person's face came before my mind, it just, as I began to think about it and things that we did together, it, just, I just, it boiled me. I could feel it in there again. I was like, well, I guess there's a little more root in there than what I thought. And it took that season of time just to be able to bless them and to take it before the Lord to finally it's out. Now I can see them and I know from my heart I can bless them. They're in their journey with the Lord. They're not my servant. They're the Lord's servant. Amen. The Bible says you shouldn't bring aught against, you know, another man's servant. I, I, the Lord will deal with them just as he has to deal with me and has to deal with you. Amen. Then there's the other way that we can offend where, you know, we do bring an offense to somebody. I remember a guy that I worked with at you know, it just it wasn't my it wasn't my meaning to be able to do it. I didn't try to, um, but I worked with him, and and uh, I was his I was his uh, supervisor, and he was just a hard gentleman to work with. And and after about uh, 13, 14 months of working with him, and just always feeling like I had to be on edge around him because he just always blew up. I finally said, you know what? I've had enough. I'm just going to take him back to the office. I'm done. And when I took him back, you know, I just said, whatever, you know, he thought I was going to fire him. I said, I'm not going to fire you. I didn't hire you. But, I, you know, whatever they want to do, I, that's fine. And he just took offense. And I, I knew I was right in what I had did. But still he took offense and my conscience was pricked. I, had, I, had, I knew that someone had an offense against me and it bothered my conscience. I didn't like the feeling that someone had something against me. And I went before the Lord, and I, I, I get his resolve. And then I went to my close friends. I was like, what do I do? Because I feel at peace that I was right in what I, what I said and what I did, but still they're offended at me, and I don't like that. And my friend said, you know what? Even though you, know, you, feel, you don't feel anything, you know, conviction of the Holy Spirit, you should still go to them and tell them you're sorry that if you offended them and apologize. And at first I was like, why? I didn't do anything, right? This pride comes up. I didn't do anything. It's their fault. Rips. Right? But I, I couldn't carry the weight on this, of this on my conscience. I don't want that on my conscience. I want a clear and clean conscience before God and before man. And guess what, guys? If you don't deal with it, it'll just stay there. And it is heavy. A heavy conscience. Because you can get away from people, but you can't get away from yourself. And so I went into that person. He reluctantly came to the side with me, and I talked with him. And I said, listen... I'm so sorry, um, you know, the way things went down, and, and, and I didn't mean to offend you at all, and I, I, would, you, you know, would you forgive me? And he just said, as soon as I said, I didn't mean to offend you at all, he just goes, you did, and he walked away. I was like, okay, but you know what happened? Even though I don't even know where he's at today, if he still holds an offense of that, that moment I was released from the offense because I went and did my part with that man. What he did with it, that was up to him. And, and I still, you know, I still, I, I still like him not to have that against me, but I, never, never, I, I didn't have it in my conscience anymore. I was released from it. 
And that was a peace. Whenever I come before the Lord, I could say, Lord, before you and before man, I have a clean conscience. And I know I can come before you now and pray. And we're going to connect. Amen? Hallelujah. So, real quick, there, there's two ways that offenses come that I can see this. And someone could probably drag this out and you can give you 15,000 different points. But this is how I see it in Scripture. Two ways that we offend one another. Number one, we offend with our words. We offend with our words. And number two, we offend with our actions. We offend with our words. We offend with our actions. We offend with our words. It's by what we say or at times what we don't say. When we should say something, it can be offensive. Or by our actions. It's what we do or what we leave undone in the moment can cause offense. Mark 7, 20 and 21, you can read through this in, 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 in the scriptures there. Jesus said, words and deeds pollute a person. Evil originates from inside a person and comes out of the human heart. You know, evil desires come, and we, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, evil desires come from an unsurrendered heart. We have to surrender our hearts to the Lord. We have to be able to surrender our hearts to others in, in, in reverence towards one another. But it, this is it. We offend in our words and we offend in our actions. And the truth is this. You will believe what you meditate on the most. What you meditate on the most is what you're going to believe. And you will release what you believe through your words. What you meditate on the most is what you believe. It's going to get in your heart. And then what you believe is going to be released through your words, and your words create the actions that you take. So if you want to change your actions, you've got to change your words, and you've got to change what you're meditating on. You've got to change your belief system. Because someone once said this, and I, I love the saying, they said, uh, you can never feel your way into acting differently, but you can act your way into feeling differently. You can't sit there and feel you know, a certain way, but you can begin to act like that way that you want and your feelings will, will jump up with you. They'll, they'll, they'll come, to the, come to the call of your actions. Amen? So we've got to be careful what we believe, what we're meditating on. We've got to be uh, careful what we release through our words. You know, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And James says this. I love this portion of Scripture. In, in James 3, 2, it says this. We all stumble... That word stumble is offend again. We all stumble and offend in many ways. Look at your neighbor and say, yep, talking to you. We all stumble in many ways. But look at this. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle or control or lead the whole body as well. We all stumble in many ways, but if we will not stumble in what we say, we'll be perfect. That word perfect means mature. We will have come to maturity being able to control our words. In times when we shouldn't say anything, we keep silent. In times when we choose to stay silent and when we should speak something, we'll speak something out in order to be able to encourage and lift up and bring value. Remember, Paul said this, everything that has been given to me is to build you up and never to tear you down, not to put a stumbling block before you. Now, in Scripture, there is, the word is considered to some who will choose not to believe the word can be considered, the truth can be considered a stumbling block. 
But that's believing and receiving from the Lord or not. We can fall over the word. Amen. But let not there be an offense towards one another in that way. In James, if you look down, if you would read down through, the, uh, through that chapter 3 and going down through, he begins to say that, you know, the tongue is, a, is small, but yet it carries great power. And he gives three different illustrations. He says that, you know, a, a, the tongue is, is a small member of our body, but it has great power. Even it's, it's kind of like a horse, you know, we can, a horse is, you know, a big animal, but we can put a bit in its mouth and we can turn it wherever we want it to go and it will follow us. Or well, most horses will, right? He says, and then he says, like, you know, ships, they're, they're huge and they're carried by these great winds, but yet they have such a small rudder that directs them where they need to go. He talks about a forest then. He says, you know, just a small flame can set a whole forest on fire. Just a small flame. Then he goes into verse number six and says, the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. It is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, not just our body. It could even be considered the, the Christian body, our church body, or the body at large of how we treat one another and how we respond to one another for offending one another. And it sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire from hell. And like that, you got hell in your mouth if you're not governed by the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on to say, next couple verses down, he says that humans have tamed all kinds of animals and creatures, but no human can tame the tongue. No human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. The only person that can tame the tongue is the Lord. Amen. To tame our tongues, we have to submit and be, and be humbled before God and His Word. James 3, 9 through 10 says this, With it, with this tongue, we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Your mouth is a fountain. I remember, it uh, kind of goes on, we were talking about, you know, we, we, we offend with our words and we offend with our actions too. I'm going to give you a story with both of them together. Uh, my goddaughter, uh, if you've heard us speak sometimes, those of you who have been with us for quite some time, um, you remember Jose and Janice coming to visit us, very close friends of ours. Uh, raised up underneath Pastor Arthur in the Spirit. And uh, our kids are like their God kids, you know, and their kids are, are our God kids. And we just love each other. We have such a close relationship. One night they were over at the house. Zoe and Jelena, the two girls, they spent the night really close in age with Kayla. And uh, I was working 12-hour shifts and just in the Florida heat and everything. There's no excuse for my part. I, was, uh, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. But I was very irritated because they were being loud and I had to get up. Anybody been there? And I couldn't get, I, it, I just kept hearing the noise and the banging and everything. I'm like, it's bedtime. Why can't they just be quiet? And I flipped. I went over and opened that door and I began to yell. And I just, you know, I don't remember all the words that came out of my mouth, but I, I, I with words, I wasn't cussing or anything, but the way that I did in my actions, they were scared. And to be honest with you, when I got back to my room, I scared myself. Because of my actions, my demeanor, and the words that I said. You know what happened? Zoe, the youngest one, she barely talked to me for almost two years. 
because of my actions and because of my words. I remember just going to her, and we'd always hug. She didn't hug me anymore. I broke connection. And I offended her. And I knew the very next day I called Jose and Janice, and I said, please forgive me. And I said, can you put Zoe on the phone? And I said, honey, I'm so sorry. And even though I repented, and even though I, I, I did what was right, she still, that relationship with her was broken for almost two years. We, we would hang together, but she wouldn't hang near me. She stayed at a distance. It took repeated demonstrations of love in actions and repeated demonstrations of love with words to water her to the place where we could have a, a relationship again, where I was able to hug her, and she felt safe around me. And it's the same way, this is really, it's really awesome if you think about it, the same way we offend with words and the same way we offend with, with our actions is the same way that we release love. Offenses bring or cause contention, but love creates connection. And I had, to, I had to love her with my words, and I had to love her with my actions, and I had to be consistent over a period of almost two years before she was able to look me in the eye and I could see that that offense was, wasn't there no more and she felt safe and we, we had that connection. I could hug her. I know that she was receiving my love. Amen? We, we love with our words what we say or what we choose to say. We love by our actions what we do or what we choose not to do. It's a choice. Love is a choice. I'm going to end with this scripture. 1 Peter 3, verse 8 and 9. This is out of the Passion Translation. This is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond, not react, respond by speaking a blessing over them because a blessing is what God has promised to give you. It's really that golden rule. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as your Self, the way that you want to be loved, according to God's eyes. Amen. This is the goal, not to respond, not to, be, uh, uh, not to retaliate, but in humility, not to insult, but to give a blessing. Remember, he said in James, you know, we bless God and then we curse men. It's not supposed to be this way. We have to choose, even though we can't choose for people how they're going to act to us, if they're going to try to harm us, put a stumbling block before us, or their, their motives, that's not between me, that's between them and the Lord. Even if they put a stumbling block and you trip over it, and they did it on purpose, I have to choose to trust in God and to love them because God chose to love me and you. And the Bible principle is this. Everything that God demonstrates towards you and you've been a partaker of, you are required to give that to others. Nowhere in Scripture does it 
repeat itself so much more through all the teachings of Jesus when he says multiple times, and it seems like it's random. He'll, he'll say something about the Lord's Prayer, and he'll say something about something else. And even at the end of uh, Luke, when we were talking right there, uh, the book of Luke, where it says, if, be on your guard, you know, if someone offends you. Right after that, he says, you need to for, forgive people. If, if you come before me in prayer... And, you, and someone has ought against you, you need to release them. You need to forgive them because if you don't forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Amen? What we receive, we give. Freely we receive, freely we give. God wants to clear your conscience today or he wants to clean your conscience today. Let's stand up if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.